I like the long dresses, too. And they're, like, 30 too. bucks. Oh, nice. Yeah, send me the link. Good morning, and welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so happy you are here with us to praise the Lord, to hear from his word from Pastor Bays. So let's stand together and praise his name.
the praise team know you appreciate them this morning? I'll tell you what, you guys are right on. Right on. And one of them, I kind of have an idea who it might be, put this up here, because they, she said, oh, she said, where's Pat? And I said, Pat's home getting over a cold, so she's nice. So she's watching, Pat, I love you. And I said, I'll probably weep and fall into weeping several times during the message, so they put the Kleenexes up there for me. <laughs> love it. Love it. How can God bless that? I'll tell you what. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you're coming by way of Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're right here in the house, we've got a good crowd here, and we thank God for your being here. So I want us to have a word of prayer, but first of all, I want to mention Madison and Haley Carney, our proud parents of Ivory Love Carney, born the 12th of this month, 7 pounds, 15 ounces, born by C-section. Wonder why. Uh, and <clears throat> needs help with meals. So it would be a really sweet thing for us uh, to, to volunteer to do that. So you could use, if you would, one of these commitment cards, and we can put you in contact with them. But just put your family name and your phone number and say, we can provide a meal. And maybe Julie can kind of coordinate that, hopefully. Uh, so turn these in to us. <clears throat> and by the way, where's Julie? Huh? Is she hiding in her office? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Julie. Happy birthday, Julie. <clears throat> so we want to thank God for this. We also want to thank God that the helicopter that crashed out here, no one was lost. But we also want to pray for two seals that, unless you've heard otherwise, they're missing um, <clears throat> in boarding a ship off of Somalia, and so there's been a search and rescue going on. So does anybody know anything, uh, an update to that? <clears throat> Pardon? It was no update. Okay. So let's pray that those two guys get found. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for the warmth. Thank you for the, the singing, the, the great singing of the hymns and the, and the choruses of the faith. Thank you, Father, for each person here today, visitor, member alike. Thank you, Lord, for giving us uh, the freedoms that we have through the hard sacrifices of so many of our men and women who serve sometimes, many times, in danger's way. I think of these uh, who survived the helicopter crash, and, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much, and may that close experience give them pause to think about eternity if they don't know you as their personal Savior, may they come to know you. And then, Father, for these two seals <clears throat> that, as far as we know, they're still searching for, oh, God, may you give them an extraordinary uh, rescue, and, Lord, may they be found, and may they be unharmed. Mm -hmm. God, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for this time together in your house today, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. If you are a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, we're honored to have you here. And in your seat back right in front of you is one of these sign-up cards, a connection card. We would love to have you take a moment or two and fill that out if you would. I, I promise I won't harass you, but if you fill this out and turn it in, give us your information, <clears throat> I will send you a, a, a gift card. So uh, you can use it at Starbucks. 
So uh, go ahead and fill those out and get that to me a little bit later. Uh, we have an election in two months at our business meeting, and we have not an election. We have a, yeah, we do. We have an election and a budget proposal. The budgets are back on the table by the sound booth. Uh, members are invited to take one and look it over. If you have any questions, give us a call. You can call me. That's okay. I'll just call Patsy and say, Patsy, what's with that? Uh, <clears throat> but... <laughs> Uh, but go ahead and pick up one if you're interested on the table right by the sound booth we're next to the blue bags there. So that's what that is. We have a report from Randall and Rachel Fernandez, our missionaries to Karachi, Pakistan, 15 minutes from Center City uh, in a country that's 98% Islamic. It says here, <clears throat> uh, Levi didn't know, but the gifts wrapped under the Christmas tree were a new Mario game, a Nerf gun, and a dartboard. With his sisters impatiently looking over his shoulder, he opened them with the over-the-top glee you would expect from an eight-year-old boy on Christmas morning. He roared with excitement as he discovered what each one was and described each one to us in detail as if we had not, seen the, we, as if we had not been the ones who had spent hours searching in the dozens of small shops that crowd the Karachi toy markets. Rachel and I smiled and took it in knowing we had gotten it right this year. For us, the holidays are the most difficult time to be away from family. It's the time when we're most likely to question our calling and wonder if it's really worth it being so far from home. Truthfully, it's not always easy to convince ourselves that we want to be in Pakistan, but the Lord always has a way of reminding us that our presence matters. On Christmas Day, a church member named uh, a church member pulled Rachel aside and handed her a small gift. It was a Christmas gift for her 13 from her 13-year-old. Uh, son Aiden. Despite their age difference, Aiden and Levi always played together and became good friends. This was mostly due to the fact that Aiden's sister, Eliza, is very good friends with Addie and Olivia. They're, they're kids there, but just know there were two boys that had a great friendship. Aiden, being the older brother, was responsible for looking after his little sister so he could come over to their house every time she did. As the girls played together, Aiden and Levi would avoid girly stuff by playing cricket, volleyball, or ping pong. All of this made it all the more difficult when we received the sudden news that Aiden had passed away due to dengue fever. I performed the memorial service for Aiden in August as my daughters sat next to their friend. In the months that have followed, we've grown closer to Aiden's family. We've visited them, prayed with them, and done our best to comfort them. We've tried to make our home a safe haven for Eliza to come and simply have fun. Now the boy's mother had brought a gift. She explained to Rachel that it was their first Christmas without Aiden, and she and her husband had decided that in Aiden's absence, they would give their son's gift to Levi. They simply said that Levi was now the closest thing they had to their son. And I won't, for uh, reasons, security reasons, actually, go ahead and read the rest of it, <clears throat> but uh, Rachel and uh, Randall are doing a great job there in, a, in an unbelievable field. So... Just some of their statistics, their average morning service in that city, in that town, 350, over 350. Average attendance for special events, over 550. Number of baptisms for this year, 23. Number of students in their Bible Institute, 43. Number of adults in discipleship classes, 108. Children in Taekwondo sports ministry and discipleship classes, 26. Vacation Bible school attendance, 350. 
volunteers across all the ministries that make the church run and operate 130. And they have a list of, I'll post this later, but they have a list of uh, some of the projects they want to do in the coming year. But uh, First Baptist Church has a big part in Randall and Rachel. And what's really cool is, for those who might not know it, uh, Rachel came from a church that I was a youth pastor in, in Pueblo, Colorado, uh, several years ago. And Randall came across the border from Tijuana to go to my Christian school down at uh, Midway Baptist Church, where a lady from Tonga, one of our teachers, got to lead that Mexican kid to the Lord in a white guy's church. And now he's in Pakistan serving God. And it's just, it's really, really cool. And I just wanted to share that with you. So uh, a biblical worldview on generosity today, um, military meal right after the services on the patio, trustee meeting uh, right in this room over here after the services. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. So it's a holiday for some or for many perhaps and uh, honor the person who gave his life uh, trying to make it better for his whole race of people. Uh, Tuesday, navigators meet. Wednesday, Bible study fellowship. Friday, ladies Bible study meet. Uh, lots of Bible studies. I love it. Uh, we're kicking off the Men of Resolution again with the War Room and Beast Feast at 6 p.m. Wednesday night. Sign up. If you did not sign up already, um, go ahead and do so. Now, here's what we're going to do. We, I think we only have two still, but we're going to start it right here. So you want to sign up for that? No. Okay, Addison. <laughs> when you get to the end, uh, Frank, would you, would you pause it over here and bring it down? But we didn't have an opportunity for men on the side to sign up the for men of resolution. So if you want to sign up or if you don't want to, go ahead and pass it to the next one, Rob. God bless you. And uh, we have a trailer for that, right? Let's go ahead and show that. You've been a good enough father. I want to be a good enough father. Let's go, let's go! Don't quit! Don't quit! Hey, you know what? I thought your jump rope routine was really good. I just got a notification that you moved money from our savings into your checking account. Can we talk about this later? You must be the real estate agent. Well, it's so good to meet you. Let me show you the house. This is my favorite place in this house. I call it my war room. You wrote prayers for each area of your life. Prayer strategy. I sure could use some of that. Tony, you should go see your practice tomorrow. I'm out of town this week. When were you going to tell me? I just did. Tony! That was my favorite rep. I'm real good. I I wish I lived at your house. Whenever my parents are together, they just fight. Dude, I can't get a pass from you. It'd be easier to baptize a cat. I just need you to blow off a little steam, okay? There's one thing we do well. It's fight. You do not want World War III to break out in your home. No, no, I don't. Just because you argue a lot doesn't mean that you fight well. You got to plead with God so that he can do what only he can do. Then you got to get out of the way and let him do it. You need to do your fighting in prayer. Keep fighting the good. I've never seen anybody do what you did. It's time for 
you to take off the gloves and fight for your marriage. Keep fighting the Lord, we need an army of believers. Lord, call us to battle. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Okay, guys, Wednesday night, check the bulletin for the time, but be sure to be here. Sign up for that. It's a powerful, powerful film. I promise you, you will be glad that you did. And it's what we need. It's what we, we need. We need a war room. We need a place where we can get a hold of God, and more importantly, where God can get a hold of us. So check it out, Wednesday night, and we'll, there will be a meal provided. So hey, food and guys, that goes well together. Next Sunday, a biblical worldview on time, also Sanctity of Life, Life Sunday. And then we have a ladies' retreat coming up March the 1st through the 3rd. We have a sign-up outside uh, at the table, and uh, Jamie Woods will be the speaker, and you need to register today, two to three ladies per room. It was $192 I think each, and the church is going to take care of $42 of that each for you ladies. So it, it makes it an even $150. Be sure to sign up. You guys will have a great time. I know you will. We have a, one more video of Live Love, the ministry started uh, by the, the Gorkins, and uh, Darlene works with them very closely over here. And with, yeah, so go ahead and show that.
spiritually united. So we thank God for that, this opportunity that he's given to us. <laughs> and these are so sweet, he's friends. Um, but we're grateful to have these horses uh, walking the property right now as, as we're still waiting for um, the community to be built here. So we, we look forward to that and we can't wait to see what God does with it all. So thank you so much for joining me on this tour. Darlene also has a table outside where you can find out more about Live Love. Let's stand together as we continue to worship our Lord and Savior.
Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the cross of Christ that secures our eternal salvation, not just the death of our Savior, but then his being raised again three days later. Lord, we thank you for salvation through Christ that no matter what happens, no matter what happens in this life, we are guaranteed of your presence forever and ever and ever by putting our faith and trust in Jesus, in whose name we pray today. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to ask the boys and girls to come up to the front. And now I have a disclaimer for all of our visitors here, and not for the, not for the members, because you, know, you ought to know better, but uh, for all of, our, all of our visitors today, you have come on a very special day. One, year, one, year, one day a year, I preach on tithing giving one day a year. Now, if you, if you say, you know, all I ever hear from preachers is about money, uh, this will give you some ammunition. So you'll be able to uh, then, uh, you, you know, so you've got something to hang your hat on, a nail to hang your hat on. But I hope that everyone will listen. I hope everyone will pay attention to what the Word of God has to say about that. And boys and girls, uh, this is, oh, oh man, see, when my wife's not here, I fall apart. I was going to bring some apples here. I was going to bring some apples like I've done before. So let's go ahead and see a picture of them, and you can pretend like uh, you've got apples so um, there's an apple. Well, wait a minute. That's the one with the bite out of it. That's, which, if we have 10 apples, which one is God's? Yes. The what? Probably a worm. Okay, ten. which one belongs to God? Would the one with the worm belong to God? Oh, okay. Oh, there's a rotten one. Would that belong to God? What's the next one we got? We got one with a bite out, one with rotten. Oh, one that's kind of dirty. You, 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 is that what you give to God? No. What's what's next? Uh, that one. I'm not sure what's going on. It's kind of wrinkled up. That not. Well, what about a little bitty one? Would you give the littlest one to God? What about the next one? Worms. There's the worms. You wouldn't do that. Oh, what about that one? That looks like the biggest one. There are no worms that I see. There's no rottenness on it. Nobody's taken a bite out of it. And about this time, I would have given you an apple if I had enough sense to have remembered to bring it. Pat, you should have reminded me. Uh, so, so always give. Now, here's the, here's the clue. You said it right. How many of the apples that we have, how many of the things that we have belong to God? All of them. All of it. What does God ask us to do? To give, to eat it? Yeah, he can eat the apples. Yeah, he, 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 get, he tells us to give one-tenth back to him. So if you have 10 apples, you give one back to God. That's our offering because we appreciate what he's done for us. So I'll try to remember to bring apples next time, okay? All right, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for these girls and these boys. And Lord, I pray that you would instill in their young minds the idea of giving back to you because you've given so much to us. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the way you've provided for all of us down to this hour. And you've promised you'll take care of us. So Father, we ask you to bless these kids and help them to practice generosity in giving back to God and in giving to others who are more needy than they are, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. 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 You guys were so good today. Go on back to your classes. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I happened to read this this week, too, in light of the, the message that I'm giving, uh, Five Keys to Building Wealth by Dave Ramsey. He says, first of all, live on a budget. If you want to build wealth, you've got to plan for it. Secondly, 
Get out and stay out of debt. Now, we talked last week about getting out of debt, staying out of debt. Uh, if you need any information about that, Dave Ramsey, uh, Financial Freedom University is great stuff. There's some other, uh, other ministries out there as well. Uh, number three, live on less than you make. Duh. That was the video we had last week. Don't, don't spend more than you bring in. Um, number four, save for retirement. You say, oh, preacher, I don't have to worry about that. I've got Social Security. Good luck on that. Save 15% of your gross income for retirement accounts. Number five, be outrageously generous. Now, that's counterintuitive. If you want to do well later in life, to be outrageously generous at this point doesn't seem to be, it seems to be a disconnect, doesn't it? And yet the fact of the matter is when we do what God tells us to do in tithing and in being generous and giving to those who are less fortunate than are we, uh, God is the one who makes the difference, and God will take that 90% that's left and multiply it and cause us to be able to do more with the 90% than we could do with the 10%. So I am, I am so thankful I learned to tithe when I was making a dollar an hour. I am so thankful. And, and that illustration I tried to remember last week that I butchered, uh, a guy came in to see his preacher, and he said, uh, you know, preacher, I really want to give. I, I just I make too much money to tithe. I just I make so much. I, the tithe would be huge, and I just can't do that. And the preacher said, well, let's pray that God causes you to lose that job, and you get one that pays a whole lot less so you can afford to tithe. And he said, no, no, preacher, don't pray that. Uh, that's, not what I, that's not what I want. So I, I learned to tithe when I was making a dollar an hour. I told you, I, I figured it out to the third point of the decimal uh, and rounded up if it was uh, uh, five or above, rounded up a half a cent. And if it was four or below, round it down forth. So I'm thankful that I learned. I'm thankful my wife learned when she was making, I think it was 50 cents an hour uh, in a library in uh, Junction City, Kansas. So I want to talk about the, the biblical worldview. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you will not like it. Uh, some of you uh, will be glad, some will be sad, some will be mad. Uh, I hope that all of us think about it and pray about it. I have the responsibility of declaring the entire message of God, the whole message, the whole counsel of God, and this is a big one. If you struggle with your finances, then you need to listen to what I'm talking about today. If you're not in trouble with your finances and you don't want to get in trouble, you need to listen. So uh, I want to talk to you about J.C. Penney for a minute before I get into the scriptures. In Malachi chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Uh, you know that is every Baptist's favorite pre, uh, verse, right? So J.C. Penney said, I found my business on the golden rule and I prospered. I gave to hospitals, colleges, churches, and other worthy causes, but that didn't satisfy me. Not until I gave my heart to God and was saved did I enter into the real joy of living. I had a new conception of the stewardship of money or the management of money. I realized I was in debt to God and owed him the tithe through the church. After paying my debt in the tithe, I then was ready to make an offering that could at last say, and I could at last say I was really living. Only when a man comes to know God can he know the meaning and the measure and the happiness of Christian living. J.C. Penney discovered the great Bible truths concerning the tithe. And later on, he would give 90% of his income and keep 10. He would reverse tithe. 
The Bible's very clear about Christian giving. There's some important facts about Christian giving. Of the 38 parables uh, found in the New Testament, 16 of them have to do uh, with money or possessions. One out of every six verses in the Gospels deals with money or possessions and how to handle them. Verses on giving run four to one more so than, more than prayer. And prayer, that's not to say prayer is not important. It's absolutely important. Uh, but there's just so much to, say, to be said about the material goods that God gives to us and he places within our hand. Jesus had more to say about the right use of money and possessions than any other subject. There are 1,565 references to giving in the Bible. So here's the text. Here's the word of God. Malachi, one of the minor pro- called a minor prophet, uh, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. This, this, is, this is the prophet of God uh, facing the people of Israel and, and saying to will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? And he answers, in tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even this whole nation. And then he gives a commandment, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up to you the, w- the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. I came from a very poor family. I came from an absolutely, our rent, uh, $35 a month uh, in, in Illinois, uh, Crete, Illinois, down south of Chicago Heights. Uh, my dad was a carpenter, construction guy, and, and in the wintertime, building would come to a halt because, and I know you'll find this hard to believe, you from Southern California, uh, the ground actually freezes. I know you think it's frozen out there right now, but it freezes like cement, and you can't dig foundations, probably all kinds of problems and being out in that, Uh, and so he would go many months of every year without employment, and we just didn't have very much. We had food. We had shelter. We didn't have a whole lot else. We had used cars all the time that were always causing us problems, having to have work done on them and so on. So... Uh, Pat came from a military family, from, from an army, can I say that word here? Uh, from, an, from an army family in Junction City, Kansas, and uh, she, I can't remember, she could tell you, but she didn't have Coca-Cola unless they were on vacation because they couldn't afford it. And they would get milk, they would get powdered milk so that it would go further. And I can't remember now what the salary was, but it was some ridiculous amount. I know she told me this the other day. Jimmy Stewart went from making $12,000 a week uh, in his film industry to making uh, $81, no, 21, to 12, to making $12 a week when he enlisted in the, in the Army uh, to go fight in World War II. So uh, I'm telling you, we didn't have very much. And you know what? We, from the time we were married, when I, remember I told you I drew up these budgets for us to, when I was proposed to her and she made me wait three days to give me an answer? Can you believe that? I've got an opportunity. I can say what I want to. She, well, no. Uh, Pat, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I drew up that, I drew up the budget, and, and I showed how from our salaries, she was working part-time at, at J.C. Penney's. I was working full-time and going to Bible college full-time. I was working at a hospital, and so I, I showed her how we could make it on our salaries, and, uh, but, but it was, that was when we had, you know, 
$10 one week to buy groceries, $15 next week, $10 the week after that, $15 the week after that. We had very little, and we determined to tithe. We put at the top of our budget 10% of our income for God. That's what went first. If we didn't have enough money through the month, it wasn't God we cheated. It wasn't God we robbed. We were faithful to him in that. The origin of the tithe, some believe that the, the, the tithe was only for the law, under Moses, and that it's no longer in effect today. But that's not true at all. Tithing began before Abraham and way before Moses. It was practiced by many different nationalities and and nations other than the the Israelites. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, uh, all of them talk about the tithe, not to God necessarily, but they talk about giving to their idols, to their false gods. Uh, Abraham bought tithes to Melchizedek 500 years before the law was given in Genesis 14. Jacob vowed to be faithful in bringing the tithes to God in Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. The law did include the tithe in Leviticus 27, 30 through 32. Jesus commended the practice of the tithe in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Early Christians tithe. Arrhenius, Bishop of Lyons, talked about it um, and wrote, Origen wrote about it, uh, and, and the several church councils, Council of Antioch, Council of Granga, the Fourth Council of Rome, and on, uh, talk about anyone who does not tithe is a robber and a thief. Ouch. I didn't say that. Well, I just did. But I'm just saying what someone else said, which Malachi the prophet also said. The meaning of the tithe, there's a lot of under- misunderstanding about that. Uh, someone says, preacher, I put a dollar in the offering. I put my tithe in our plate. I put a dollar in. No, it's probably not a tithe unless you're making $10 a week. Then it's a tithe. The tithe is 10% of one's income, Leviticus 27, 32. And concerning the tithe of the Lord or of the flock, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. And as we mentioned before, the tithe is the first 10%, not the last 10% if there's any left. In Proverbs 3, 9, the first fruits of all thine increase. Uh, There is a way to face the future. There's a way to leave the past. There's a way to form a habit. There's a way to make it last. There's a million ways of starting and a million ways to stop, but the way to do your tithing is to take it from the top. That's what God teaches. The tithe belongs to God. The tithe is holy. So what is the basis for the tithe? Why why would I get up here and say, you need tithe? You say, well, because you're the preacher and you get the money. No, I do not get the money. I don't touch the money I don't count the money. I don't write the checks. I don't. I know there's a safe. I don't know anything about a combination. Uh, I don't have any access to it. I chose. Uh, Selena was my uh, bookkeeper in the other church for many, many years. She knows that. I didn't write checks then. I didn't know where. I didn't want to keep. I, I want to keep a fence between me and all of that because I know that a lot of preachers have messed up because of finances. They messed up because of finances, they messed up morally, uh, or they messed up with pride. And so I, those are three things I watch out for and try to build fences against it. So why would I talk about it? Well, first of all, the basis is God is the creator of everything. Everything. God created Genesis chapter 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He later on created the animals on the land. He then created birds in the air. He created fish in the sea. He created uh, everything that you see and things you can't. He created the universe. And in fact, the universe is plural. He created it all. Everything belongs to God. 
you've heard it said before, we came to this world naked, we'll leave this world the same exact way. Kind of bothers me a little bit. <laughs> I don't want some embalmer checking things out. I just don't, I just don't like that whole idea. But, uh, but unless the rapture takes place, that's the way it's going to happen. So we come in naked, we leave naked. He's the creator of all. He owns it all. That's the next thing. He's the owner of everything. Psalm 24, 1. Everything belongs to him. The Catalan, there's a song, the Catalan Thousand Hills. Isn't there a song like that? Catalan Thousand Hills belong to God? I think something like that. Well, someone said it's not only the, the cattle on a thousand hills, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the wealth in, of, of the gold and, and the minerals in, in every hillside. It's everything. He owns it all. He's the sustainer of all. Colossians, uh, Colossians rather, 1, 16 and 17. You realize that, uh, that this world stays together, even though it feels like it's about to blow up, with everything going on in Israel, with everything going on off of Somalia coast, with everything going on uh, in Ukraine and Russia, with everything going on in probably a hundred other places, if we knew about it, it's God who keeps everything together. It's God by whom all things consist. It's God who made our intricate bodies. It would seem to me like I had some some pre-med classes in college before God called me to preach, and I was always impressed, super impressed at how incredibly God has made us. The Bible, the psalmist said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's amazing the myriad, the, the, the millions of things that have to happen in any given day for us to stay healthy and whole and upright and be able to talk and be able to walk and be able to hear and be able to speak and to do the things that we do. It's amazing. God miraculously made us, but guess what? He didn't just create us and let us go. He sustains us. He keeps this heart beating. A few years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. Do you know everything's worse in the middle of the night? Yeah. <laughs> everything's worse in the middle of the night. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I, I, was, I became conscious of my breathing. And then I was going like, I got, I got to remember to breathe. It's part of the autonomic nervous system. It, you don't have to remember to breathe. But I thought, oh, I got, I got to remember to breathe. I mean, everything's middle, worse in the middle of the night, I'm telling you. Uh, but you don't have to remember that. You don't have to remember for your heart to beat. If it doesn't, you won't remember anything pretty soon. <laughs> He's the sustainer. He keeps the heart beating. He keeps the blood circulating. He keeps our synapses snapping. He keeps everything working so that uh, we're able to, to, to have life and to enjoy life. He sustains it all. If he had just created us and left us, we wouldn't be here today. He's the redeemer of all of us. For as much as we know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, but from your, from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but rather you're with the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. We're not redeemed by money. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They sang about it. It's the blood of the Savior. It's the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, the atonement, the covering, uh, fulfillment of what they did in the Old Testament tabernacle and later in the temple when they would take the blood of the sacrifice and uh, the high priest would enter into the holy of holies and take that blood and, and dip the hyssop and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and, and it became a covering. It didn't forgive their sins. It covered their sins for another year. But when Jesus 
became that spotless lamb of God who was nailed to that altar, to that cross, and raised up. And when he died, when he poured his blood out, it was to be for our redemption. He purchased us. That's why we're no longer our own. We belong to him. That's why we're supposed to do the things he says. We're not to be our own boss. A lot of people, they got that one phrase, I'm the boss of me. They got that down pat. You're not the boss of you. Your wife is the boss of you, some of you. But God is the boss of her, amen? And God is the boss of you. Kids, adults, Navy, Army. We got some guy has got an Army coat on here. Please don't do anything dastardly to him. He's visiting today. Uh, God has redeemed us. God has given us the power to get wealth. Do you realize that? Someone said, well, I'm, I made myself a, a wealthy individual. There's no such thing. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power or the authority or the ability to get wealth. It's God. Because if you weren't able to get up tomorrow morning, you weren't able to go into work, or you weren't able to go make your investments, or you weren't able to go do whatever it is that you make a lot of money doing, if you weren't able to get up, you would lose all that you have. He's the one who makes it possible for you to get up and to have the brains to be able to do things and to have the resolve to be able to save things and, and, and to, to make wealth. God also makes us stewards or managers of everything that we have. 1 Corinthians 4.2, moreover, it's required in managers that a person be found faithful. It's not an option. It's a requirement. We're to be faithful for what God places in our hands. And God holds us accountable for that management. In Luke 16, too, he talks about everyone will give an account. Every single one of us will give an account. So there's the command to tithe in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. We already talked about that. And then Jesus, the Christian tithe, Jesus instructs Christians to tithe. He does this in two ways, really. He first of all commends it in Matthew chapter 23, Verse 23, but secondly, he no doubt did it through his own example. Jesus was a tither, and I believe that because there, there are at least seven different reasons why I believe that. He was reared in a pious Jewish home, and the Jews who were faithful tithed. Secondly, the Bible clearly taught tithing, and he obeyed every commandment of God. He didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. The synagogue where he went to school uh, and to worship services, practice tithing. He did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. If he had not tithed, he would have not commanded others to do so. Uh, he loved God with all of his being. How could he give less than a tithe? And if he had not tithed, his enemies would have seized on that and said, look at here, he claims to be a, 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 some, some great person from God, and yet he doesn't even give God first place in his life. But let me manage, finish up with managing or majoring on the blessings of the tithe. There are five outstanding promises to those who are faithful in giving and tithing. He will rebuke the devourer. He will rebuke the devourer. We've had, uh, I'm giving a personal testimony here. God has taken care of us and God has blessed us from those very poor, humble uh, beginnings, not having hardly anything but having lots of love and having the blessings of God. Our cars, for no reason at all other than God's intervention, kept running. Our, our, we were able to 
always get what we needed. We were able to, to take our children to the doctor when we had to go to the doctor. We were able to buy clothes when we needed to buy clothes. God has taken care of us. We put God first in our lives, and he put us at the top of the list in his lives. He, he cares about every one of us. He will rebuke the devourer. What is eating up your resources? If there's something doing that right now, are you tithing? Because if you're tithing, God says he'll take care of that. Number two, Proverbs 3, 9, 10, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. Listen to this. I know you're not farmers here. Probably no one here is a farmer. But your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. So what he's saying is you're going to be blessed financially. If you put God first, put him to the test, he will prove himself and he will bless you. Luke said it this way, number three, in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. I love the way he phrases this. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You get the idea? Remember the old bushels? Remember, and, and you'd feed, you'd put grain or, or whatever in them, and, and then you'd shake them and kind of get the grain to settle down and pour, keep pouring until it was running over. That's the way God wants to bless you. But I don't know if you noticed the last part of this verse. If, if we give, it'll be given to us, good pressure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured unto you again. So, so God's going to use people to bless us. God's going to use people to help us and, and, and to take care of us. And, and that's a tremendous promise. And then number four, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. All your need, not all of our wants, but all of our need. God will take care of us. We're his children. My kids, if they need something, they just let me know. I, I, I want to meet their needs. I want to take care of their needs. If they can't, I want to help them. But you know what? Not all of their wants. There's a difference. And same thing with us. He'll supply our needs. And then last of all, Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All what things? The food, clothing, shelter, all the things he mentions in that chapter prior to that verse. A little boy was born to the home of R.G. Letourneau. How many know the name Letourneau? All right, a few of you. Uh, and his young wife. They loved their firstborn son and dreamed of the future. Then one day, when he was three and a half months old, he became seriously ill, and unfortunately, he passed away. Both parents were crushed with sorrow, but instead of becoming bitter against God, which is what some people would do, and I caution you, anytime tragedy comes into your life, don't, don't run from God. Don't get bitter toward God. Draw close to him. But because of this happening, R.G. Letourneau spent much time in prayer looking to God, crying out in grief, oh God, are you trying to tell me something through this experience? The Lord, through the experience, revealed to Letourneau that he had been too concerned about earthly things, too little attention to be given to heavenly things. And the result was a deeper love for the Lord and a more complete devotion Letourneau began to tithe, and God began to bless his life in remarkable ways. He became one of the world's great inventors and manufacturers of, he of earth, heavy earth-moving equipment. So that's, what his, that's where he made his fortune, actually. His business, business continued to grow. He started giving, instead of 10%, he started giving 20% of his business income. Still, it grew and prospered. He increased it to 30%. And 40, then 50, then 60, then 70, then he became a reverse tither. 
he began giving 90% of his income to Christ. And he did this until his death many years later, and his liberality became one of the world's greatest examples of Christians' faithfulness in tithing. He was once asked how he could continue to prosper by giving God so much of his income. He said, God shovels in, and I shovel out, but he has a bigger shovel. Isn't that beautiful? God shovels in, I shovel out, but he has a bigger shovel. Now, let let me close with a couple of thoughts here. First of all, I am not a prosperity preacher. I am not telling you if you tithe, God's going to make you a millionaire. Jesus tithed, I believe, he had not where to lay his head. But God took care of him. God the Father took care of him. I I don't believe that prosperity gospel stuff. I do not say God will make you the next J.C. Penney or R.G. Letourneau if you tithe. I do not say he will make you rich in earthly goods. I do say he will bless your 90% that's left over uh, much more than if you tried to, tried to live on the 100% without God's blessings. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. You say, preacher, I'm offended that you would talk about money like this. You know what? I want you to know what the Word of God has to say. You check it out. I gave you all the verses. You check it out. I would be wrong to keep those things from you. So it's time to partner with God in your finances. It's a matter of lordship and obedience. So now this is the, this is the part of me. This is, not, this is not Bible, but this, I'm going to tell you something. If you will commit, we're going to have a commitment Sunday uh, at the in Fe- first Sunday of February. We're going to commit for time, talents, treasures. And if you will start tithing, and you promise you, you'll do that, I will give you a 90-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. What preacher has ever said that before that you've ever heard? I mean, Patsy, I know if they give for 90 days and they come in one day and they say, you know what, Uh, it didn't work for me, and we'll we'll write them a check uh, for whatever they gave during that 90 days. So, uh, I I mean, just money-back guarantee. Now, in, in my 41 years at the other church and so far the nine years here, I only had one person ever come back and say, I'm claiming my 90-day guarantee. And I say, well, okay. And I phoned upstairs, and I don't know if you were there then. Uh, Tony, maybe Tony was there. <clears throat> and I said, or Bob, I don't know. I said, write a check to so-and-so for however much it was. I said, but I, I want to ask you, uh, while the check's being written, wh- why do you think it didn't work? He said, oh, I, I don't know. My wife just told me to come get the money back. <laughs> So even if your wife tells you to come and get the money back, and that's the lame reason you give me, I will follow through on my promise to you. But if you never give a dime to God, if you never give a dime to this church, if you never give anything to anybody else who's in need, if you never do, give your heart to Jesus Christ. Don't die and go to hell. People say, well, I'll, I'll be with my friends there. There are no friends in hell. Well, I'll, I'll be in purgatory. The Bible doesn't say, you read, I've read it cover to cover. Um, I, I can't remember how many times now. Uh, almost 50 times, I guess. I've read it cover to cover. It doesn't talk about purgatory. It talks about people dying and going to heaven if they know Christ as a Savior and going to hell. 
which will eventually be emptied into the lake of fire where they will be forever and ever and ever. So look, if you, you say, preacher, you made me mad talking about money. I'm never going to come back here ever. Okay, but just receive Christ as your personal Savior. Just trust him. That's my heart's desire for every person here. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Oh, God, you are such an incredible sustainer, amazing creator, but an incredible sustainer. Lord, you, you make your promises and you follow through on them. You make them good. God, I'm so grateful that my preacher back in Money, Illinois, taught me to tithe, taught me to give the first 10% of what I make to the Lord. Because so much of what you've blessed us with over the last 55 years of marriage has been just rewarding and giving gifts because of our giving to you and to others who are in need. So God, help us to make giving tithes and offerings a priority, we pray. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning, their need is not to start tithing. Their need is to receive Christ as their personal Savior. I pray your Holy Spirit would do what I can't do, nobody else can do. I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts right now. Show them that they are sinners because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. First and foremost right here, me, I'm a sinner. God, I'm not proud of it. I'm thankful that you've forgiven me and washed me with the precious blood of Christ. But may they realize they are sinners. May they realize today that they're going to pass away one of these days. Every person will die unless the Lord comes back in our lifetime. And when they die, when we die, we're going to stand before you, Lord. We're going to give an account of our lives. And you've said, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, that we can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter what we've done. Doesn't matter what sins we've committed. Doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is that you love us and your son died for us. And we can be saved by putting our faith in him. With every head still bowed, if that's what your desire is this morning, I want you to pray something like this. To pray to the Lord. Just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I disappoint you. I don't mean to. I don't want to, but I do. I know I'm going to die one day. They'll have a memorial service for me someday. I believe that Jesus is your son, and he died on the cross and was buried and rose again after three days. And this morning, in this place, I want to put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, save my soul. I trust you as my Lord and Master right now. Every head still bowed for one more moment. Every head bowed. If you just prayed that prayer, prayed it in your heart, would you raise your hand up real high? Hold it. I won't embarrass you. I promise you. I just want to remember you in prayer. I won't say a word. God bless you, my friend. Anyone else? God bless you. Anybody else? Hold your hand up real high for just a moment. God bless you. God loves you. Anybody else? Okay, would you look up this way? On that table, it's right there on the corner by the sound booth. There are some budgets, but there are also a blue plastic bag 
And if you prayed that prayer or you would like to pray that prayer, I want you to pick up one of those and take it with you. That'll give you some information. It'll tell you what you've done. Explain in more detail how that the Bible says if we call upon him, he becomes our Lord, our Savior, our Master. We get born again. Just like you were born to your parents physically, you get born again spiritually to, to God the Father through that act of faith and by grace that draws you. So pick up one of those bags after the service. But let's stand together as we go, as we have the praise team come and sing. And if there's something you want to say, something you want to do right now, you want to receive Christ as your Savior, come ahead. You want to uh, be baptized, we can arrange for that in the future. You come ahead. If you want to join the church, you come ahead. If you want to just come and kneel and have prayer, surrendering some things to God, let Him be the Lord and Master of your life, you come ahead, whatever it is. As we go ahead and sing the invitation, you come ahead. card if you would military meal on the patio right after this you're welcome to stay if you're active military uh, also trustee meeting we'll meet in this room in about five minutes or so shouldn't be a long meeting I jinx it every time I do that when I say that shouldn't be let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and, and dismiss us father we thank you for the blessings you've given to us they're innumerable they're more than we can possibly ever count Lord and things that we don't even know you're doing for us you're doing it and we thank you for it, Lord. We ask you to bless this congregation, this gathering, every person here, every member here, every visitor here. And God, for those that receive Christ as our Savior, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week, Lord willing. <laughs>